This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we will go on. Got it being streamed. All right. Intro, we'll be right back. I got it. Welcome to Rat Cell Review. Today we are here with Madeline Baccaro. What's going on, Madeline? Oh, not much. I'm trying to promote my book. <laughs> <laughs> Which <laughs> is? Right. You want to hold it up or you want me to hold it up? I might, mine's a little uh, glossy there. So you yeah, this is up. the hardcover. <laughs> In your wow. mind, the infinite universe of Yoko Ono. That's it. It's a very cool book. Um, now, uh, the obvious question, why did you want to write a book about Yoko Ono? Well, I didn't know I was writing a book. I've loved Yoko oh. all my life since I was 10 years old in 1968. Oh, wow. okay. And wow. I used to just, you know, hear John and Yoko on the radio. And I just thought they were so exciting. I lived through the bed ends for peace. I just always loved their positivity and the music, of course. And I collected everything about her, which back in the day, you know, there weren't many music magazines or anything, but they'd be in the ma major media too. So I, I saved every interview she ever did and listened to everything they ever said, collected audio tapes. And um, over the years, like I would just write about an album or about an event or about an artwork. And one day my boyfriend gave me software and said, why don't you dump all these Word documents in and see what you have? And sure enough, I had a 500 page book, but it still took me at least two years to organize it and string it together and make it uh make it into a beautiful story about her life yeah yeah and it is it is a very big book it's almost 600 pages uh I'm 50 yeah 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 it's 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 a big book and so it's a long read so but um you know it's a good read there's a lot of stuff in there I, I didn't know about I didn't know I really didn't I never really followed Yoko Ono so I didn't really know too much about her besides like the stuff with John Lennon and things like that but uh the stuff with her family like how she grew up I didn't know she her family was basically rich you know? Oh, they were the one of the wealthiest families in Japan, and yeah. that could be a good thing. But for her, it wasn't. She didn't get any attention as a child. Um, her parents were, you know, socialites, and she just was very, very lonely and suffered from pretty much abandonment. And so did John Lennon. His parents left him, mm -hmm. and they both had this this bond over that sort of thing. 
And she also had to live through the war, the Tokyo bombings, and was evacuated from her, you know, home and was in a countryside farmhouse with her younger siblings. So she had to try to fend for food and the rich kids in the area, well, the poor kids in the area threw stones at them because they had nice clothes and Mm. they they wouldn't give them food. And she was literally, you know, starving with these siblings um, until the war ended. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, sad to hear, too, that she didn't really know her father too much. You know, she had to uh, basically, you know, see him in pictures, you know, and it's just that's just a sad life. You think that really led to like her avant garde type, uh, you know, uh, you know, the stuff that she's into all that. It definitely did. She was traumatized and all of her art was cathartic for her. Everything she did was Mm. about what happened to her or trying to she was always in survival mode. Mm. Um, You know, Mm. people say, oh, maybe she was too headstrong or she was um you know arrogant or they don't understand the screaming and things like that but you have to understand she you know she was really a child of war and mm. and not only that but the parents were very distant and it, it just all had a big effect on her yeah go ahead man i don't want to take up everything no no that was i was listening i was very interested um also found it interesting that you've been a fan for so long because you know, I'm not telling any secrets, but Yoko Ono is one of the most polarizing figures in in modern music. You know, um, I don't believe she broke up the Beatles. That's nonsense. But definitely her influence on John Lennon probably didn't help the relationship between the men that were already. I don't want to say outgrowing each other, but artistically, they lived out of each other's pockets for so many years. Yeah. And Yoko was probably a handy target to blame mm. for the you breakup. You know what, those phrase, right place, right time. She was wrong right. place, wrong time. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, she was just the brunt of it all. Um, they were separating anyway. She even said that she thought, you know, when she was with John, um, that he was going to stay with the Beatles. And when he told her, look, I'm leaving the band. She said, well, what am I going to do now? I mean, I'm an independent artist. What is he going to do? He's not going to be preoccupied with with them. And she didn't understand, you know, that they would collaborate and they would collaborate well and take off running with the bed ins for peace and the war is over posters and all the events they did together and the music. And, um, you know, they really were sincerely thinking that they were going to change the world for the better. They just they they were so hurt internally both of them, that they wanted to heal the world. They wanted to heal each other and just spread peace and love. And it, you know, people don't believe that it was so innocent, but it really was. Almost a nativity to it, don't you find, in a way? Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. Look back on it now and they say, oh, boy, look, no wonder people thought we were crazy. But, you know, they wouldn't change a thing. That's that's what they did. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's easy to also be a little cynical about it and in our day and time and also you know we're older now we're not as idealistic as we were i try to be but i was 10 when i got into them and they're Uh really you know their innocence and their naivete was understandable to each other i was just on board with it you know maybe uh someone in their 50s saw it as a joke and they knew they were clowns you know like people were you us said clowns okay if they want to laugh at us as long as they're not picking up a gun let them laugh at us you think Yoko Ono, though, had a huge, uh, I believe she did, and I think your book kind of hints at that, but do you think Yoko Ono also had a, 
in effect, it's making John Lennon see the world in a broader viewpoint than he had seen with the Beatles. Um, uh, uh, if you look way, at, he yeah, had see, he saw it. He had seen it, and he wanted out. He was trapped in this mania, and he was looking for a way out. He was singing it in the song "Help." You know, I need somebody. He just wanted to break out, but he didn't have the courage to do it until he met her. Yeah, and it will also think his worldview. If you listen to those Beatles songs, you know, they're very egocentric. I don't mean that in a terrible way, but he's talking about his own experiences, his own, you know, um, desires, his own feelings. You get to solo years. Yeah, I mean, the first couple albums are very, very, you know, internal. But imagine his most famous song. That's certainly of a, an older man, still a young man, but it's an older man looking outward. And I sometimes wonder if Yoko Ono influenced that. Yoko's from a different, almost a different generation, but differently a different culture than John Lennon. And their lives can be more different until their life, until their lives, you know, colluded. Well, imagine the song um, was co-written by her. In fact, in 2017, um, she did receive official credit for it. And they had a tape playing of John Lennon saying, you know, this comes straight out of her book, Grapefruit, which was Imagine This, Imagine That. And um, if I wasn't such a macho idiot at the time, I would have put her name on the record. So, you know, it was all her. I mean, not all. I mean, he wrote the melody and he he wrote the, the lyrics, but the whole idea was... Well, it's a collaboration, like you said. Right. You know. um, Wayne, you got anything before I continue? I don't want to dominate yeah, the yeah. whole thing. And actually, since we're talking about the Beatles, what do you, because thanks to, to Yoko that uh, she gave this song to the Beatles years and years ago, and they kind of worked on it, uh, and it didn't really work out, but now they just released Now and Then. What, what do you think of that new Beatles song? I think it's great. They worked wonders with the tape. She had given them, you know, three or four songs and real love and free as a bird. And those, those were great, but this one was a little um, less fidelity to it. You know, it was just more, Mm. you know, harder to fix, but it came out beautifully. It really did. And people forget that, you know, she even said when she gave them that tape, she goes, now I have an opportunity to bring them back together in a way. So she, she wanted to do it. Well, that's really cool. Um, what do you think Yoko's influence as a musician, not as a, not as a um, visual or avant-garde artist, but as a musician, do you think her music has made an impact in popular culture, not terms in sales, but influence on other artists that may have eclipsed her in sales, in your opinion? Yeah, a lot of punks really admire her. She was, you know, Sean Lennon even says, you know, on the Plastic Ono Band album, her album, not John's, the one companion album, that, you know, here she comes from not knowing anything about rock and roll to inventing punk rock. You know, she's just all (laughs) over the place. And you got the B-52s, you know, who vocalize uh, patterns based upon her vocalizations. You've got um, Public Image Limited. There's this song, Annalisa, on their second album that sounds just like one of Yoko's songs. I mean, um, People, there are people who love her in this world. They, artists, musicians, um, peace activists, women, you know, feminists. This is why the book is 550 pages. There's so many categories to cover. I go over every song on every album with and without John. 40, you know, 33 years um, before she meets John as an artist. Um, 
And she's only with John 12 years. And then she's 40 years without him. So this is this is a life. She's 90, you know, years old. Um, well, she still looks great, by the way, if you've seen her recently, you know. She's, you know, she's yeah. got some health issues now, but she's, you know, doing the best she can. And um, but this is a big, big story. And every bit of it is so interesting from the ancestry to, you know, her her child being kidnapped and her search for the child, them being followed by the FBI. Yeah. You know, it's just like endless. The <laughs> deportation. Um, yeah, that, that's a crazy story in itself, it that whole, uh, I mean, for God's sakes, they're musicians, you know, and here they are. Nixon has them on there. Actually, that should be a compliment. But, you know, Nixon has <laughs> them on their, you know, enemies list, which is completely ridiculous. But, um, yeah, it, you're right. It is an incredible story. Even if you're what yeah, I didn't read your whole book. I've read excerpts of it, you know. I even if you're not a fan of Yoko Ono the musician, it's an interesting story in itself of of a person. You know that's what makes it interesting, and that's why I think your book's well written because someone who is not who's not interested in Yoko Ono or even the Beatles, you can read this book, and she's such an interesting human being, and you make her human. It's not a two-dimensional character. And that's, I think, the power of your book. It actually, you. Um, well, you. you wrote well, it. Thank I did you. spend a lot of time with her. She's wonderful. If you spend five minutes with her, you'll see why John loves her. She's incredible. Uh, warm, wise, funny, generous. I mean, so generous. Um, she, we were pen pals for a while in the 80s. Oh, wow. And um I finally met her and uh, she started inviting me to all her art exhibitions and um, concerts. And it was just fabulous just being spending time with her. And I would always talk to her about her art and she'd be thrilled because back then nobody was speaking about that. And um, she was just floored that I understood everything she was trying to portray in these art pieces. And I went through each one in the book too. And um, there's one that everybody thinks is so cute. It's a hole to see the sky through and it's a postcard and it came with one of her albums and um it's just a postcard with a little hole in the center um and but really what it represents is she used to tell this story how when she was evacuated to the farmhouse during the war um her and her younger brother and sister would lay on the floor and they'd look up through a hole in the roof and they would see the sky and that was just this limited view of of peace and beauty that she had until, you know, she was brought back home on a rickety truck through, through the burnt out Tokyo, seeing her whole city in ashes. Nobody knows these, you know, aspects right. of her life. Yeah, and that's why I think it is. I think really, no, like you said, nobody knows this that part of her life because like I said, I didn't know all this stuff and all the stuff that she's went through when she was younger, and which is, you know, I think why the way she's turned out the way she did with being in that avant-garde scene. Do you, did you, do you really like that avant-garde, like the music that she did, like with John Lennon, those first two albums? I mean, were you into that or? 
So there's there's different levels of it. You know, the, the first one, the two virgins, that was just mm. them noodling around with tape players. They were on drugs. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't <laughs> listen to that. Some people do, actually. I mean, just sit down and put it on and just like, you know, yeah, <laughs> and your and boyfriend comes in and he's like, what do you listen to? <laughs> yeah, then they get into wedding album and that's a yeah. little more interesting. They have the thing where they're calling each other's names over the heartbeat and it, it's just really interesting. She There's a whole explanation in the book of, you know, what that's about. And then you get into the Plastic Ono Band album, which is phenomenal. There's sounds on there that people are still not making. Things She had this Joe Jones who made um, instruments for her for her album Fly in 1971. And there's percussion on there that's so incredible. Mm. Um, You know, and what she did for John and what he did for her musically was um, he, he brought her the rock beat. Right, because she was all over the place. She just really was more not jazz, but she was just improvisational, and she didn't right. really have a root. Yeah. And then she says that he woke me up from my mind game because she was all esoteric and about you know imagine this, imagine that, and and he gave her that rock beat, and then she took off from there. Yeah. And he got Eric Clapton to play with her, and Ringo and Klaus Borman, and what's better than that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I was just watching on, on YouTube the other day. There was she they did something with Chuck Berry. I don't remember what it was, but they yeah. were both doing a song. And at, at, there is a point where Yoko Ono is doing her thing. And then all of a sudden you see her on there, but her mic is completely cut off. Well, that was the Mike Douglas show. <laughs> and yeah, John wanted to meet his idol, Chuck Berry. And they had yeah. him on. You know what? You know, when you have like a, a bad moment and people yeah. don't want you with it, it's really, oh, yeah. and that just keeps getting repeated and repeated. It's not the best thing. But yeah, yeah, I love her music. She has so many beautiful ballads. She has so many songs, especially one album uh, after John was murdered. It's the most sad and beautiful music you could ever hear. Mm. Um, I just, yeah, I listen to it all. I love it. I like a lot of the songs on uh, it's double fantasy, right? Where they both did uh, like half and half. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I like some of her songs are on there are actually very good. You know, I, cause I always hear Yoko Ono, you know, how can you like her stuff? But I'm listening to that album. Like they're, they're actually good songs. They you are know? actually good songs. People don't even know. I've had friend, friends of mine who know that I love her so much all my life. Mm-hmm. They go, I never knew she had normal songs. Yeah. Been. But you know, there's just been so many lies written about her. Right. And that would never fly these days. You could just go on the computer and research it, right? Yeah, but with yeah, her, you know, they you couldn't do that. And people just want to believe what they believe and they perpetuate the lies. And it's just so unfair because she's nothing like people make her out to be. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's why well, even I, um somebody wrote me the other day, because uh, you know, because we were talking about the Yoko Ono uh, thing. And um yeah, he he's not a fan of Yoko Ono because he thinks that she's faking away with the way with the with the piece and all that stuff, and it's not really real. And it's just for money. So, what are your thoughts on that? And somebody that thinks that way about about her? There's nothing fake about her. I mean, she's the most sincere person I've ever seen. You know, how I compare her to like hmm. Patti Smith or Iggy Pop. You know, they just do their thing no matter what people think. Yeah. They're genuine and sincere. They know their work is good, and they they. They need to, you know, Patty's more of a peacenik in a way, too. So who doesn't want world peace? Who's fake about that? What is she making money off of world peace? No, there isn't world peace. Mm. What are people talking about? It's crazy. Yeah, so I I, I, I never understood, like, where did that even come from? Like, what is some, why would somebody even think of 
think of that, you know, because that's all she's ever from for, for all of I've known of her. That's all she's ever really stood for is peace and and getting everybody to you know to be together and, and to hear people thinking that you know she's not really for that. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't so. make sense. I mean, the whole the whole all the lies and and, and that is people were jealous of their relationship too. I mean, whether it was because of the precious Beatles or because they thought they were going to marry John Lennon or, you know, <laughs> they thought I'm never going to find a love like that in my life. It, it was just all a selfish thing. Mm. Yeah. Well, I also think that it was easy to paint a role in the villain. I mean, um, especially back then. I mean, if you think about you know, in the 1960s, just women musicians. I'm talking about rock and, and soul and blues. There's always been tons of, of women musicians. And now in this modern era, uh, you know, there's there's just as many male or women musicians in rock bands and heavy metal bands, alternative bands, and they, they are males. But back in the 60s, when the White Album came out in 68, there's what? Janis Joplin. There was Grace Slick. Yeah. There was uh, rumblings from Susie Quattro and Fanny, a band called Fanny. Right. I think I can end my list there. You know, yeah, I know I'm missing Joni Mitchell, some, maybe. But, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Joni Mitchell was more on the folk, folk jazz yeah. side, you know. Um, then you got yeah. Yoko Ono, who doesn't sound like any of those people I mentioned. She definitely does not have a blues background, oh, and she's which Japanese. makes sense. <laughs> yeah it's, exactly she's japanese right back then nobody you know? even knew which sushi was in america right now yeah. it's like everywhere yeah you're right you're right and you and that's another thing i mean not only see a, a obviously a woman but a different culture so i think a lot of that had to do with the times the, the feminist movement was still in infancy as you point out japan was we were only 20 something years away from the war, yeah. which, you know, when you're a kid, that sounds like 300 years, but for Yoko Ono, that was a real experience. That wasn't something that was in a book. It wasn't. And when she was anyway, here in America with her family, she was yeah. here during a time where everybody was anti-Japanese and they moved back to Japan for safety. And so they came back again, but yeah, there was racism, sexism, you know, the, the, the troubles of being a woman, even as an artist, she was struggling as a woman because she was all among men. John Cage, all those, you know, Fluxus people, they were all men. Um, and she started her own concert series. She got, got a loft uh, on Chaber Street and she hosted um, anybody who wanted to perform. And that was great that she was one of the first before Meltdown, you know, she just hosted this thing in her loft and uh, but it was mostly men. You are, yeah. Do you mind if I ask you about your background? You know, are you as a are you professional journalism writer? You know, you know, uh, yes. you yourself. So um, when I was a teenager, uh, I don't know mm -hmm. if you heard of CMJ, but I worked for CMJ magazine. It was College Media Journal. All the college radio stations would report their playlists. Um, every week and I would write reviews and interviews and was working for them for five years and then my parents moved to Florida and I had to get a real job that paid <laughs> better, more than $20 an article once or twice a week 
So um, yeah, I did miserable jobs all my life, but I'm always dying to write. I've been writing, you know, anyway, um, for my own self or for random publications. I've done little pieces for discoveries and maybe gold mine and mojo, you know, here and there. But uh, I have a blog, madelinex.com, where I write about all my favorite music. And my, my stipulation is, you know, I write about things I love. You know, I'm not going to write about something I don't like because there's somebody out there that likes it and understands why it's good. So why bother? I'm just going to tell you why something is great. So, you know, I write about it's been since 2002. I've had the blog. And uh, once I retired five years ago, I started putting together this book. Very cool. Um, can you hold up the book again and show us the cover one more sure. time? Thank you. So tell me about that cover. The cover was a greeting card I found online by an Australian artist. Her name is Kat McInnes. And she had tweeted it once and Yoko said she loved it also. So when I had the book together, I said, yeah, I think it represents Yoko in every era, pretty much. Like, what picture would I use? You know, what age? So I got permission from Kat and she was happy to let me use it. So... That's it. Thank you. I, I really love the covers. So. It works yeah, everybody really well. loves it. I've got the, the t-shirts now. They're available on the site as well. Conceptualbooks.com where you can get the book. Very cool. And you self-published you... yourself, right? Yeah. I um, I called, I talked to a few agents and a few publishers and they're like, well, first of all, you've got to cut this down to 250 pages. <laughs> you like, like 50. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Elvis Costello's biography is something like over seven or eight hundred. I don't know. It's really massive. Really? Yeah, I have I have his book. I haven't read it yet. Unfinished Music. Uh, I'm, well, it's because I'm reading a book on FDR. I'm one of those boring guys. So wait, what, <laughs> questions, what questions do you well, have? Well, now since you just brought that up. Now, if since they wanted you to break your book down, I mean, I, I obviously didn't think of that, but... Um, would you have done that and then maybe made like other like part two, part three type thing? Or No, I didn't. I, I wanted it all together because nobody's going to buy part two because the Beatles are done. Mm, you know, like. It, it, wow. No. Wow. I never thought about that. Yeah. But and I then think what, an... what guarantee is they, they're going to let me do a part two? You know? yeah, well, true. OK, you, you've got me there. Um, I just think it's really interesting that. You wrote this book on Yoko Ono. I have such mixed feelings of her as a as an artist. Like uh, Wayne said, what was that? Unfinished Music Volume 1 and 2. Hmm. I avoided buying that for years, and I finally bought it on CD. And I thought, my God, you know. And then I listened to <laughs> um, the wedding album, and I go, well, it might not be my cup of tea, but it makes a little more sense, you know. It, conceptually, it makes more sense. And then, like Wayne pointed out, you get the double fantasy. And not only is there song structure, but she's almost like a couple of years ahead of her time. If she, that album had come out, I mean, it sold millions because John Lennon. But if she had put out a solo album and forget it's Yoko Ono and threw it on MTV, I think that thing would have sold a lot more on the merits of her music definitely i think it was a little ahead of its 
time. Well, John always uh, wanted to, you know, put her on an A side of one of his records or he said, well, why don't I record your song? And, you know, this way people won't, he said, well, then she, they won't know it's my song. She was very headstrong. She didn't want any help like that. She just wanted to do her own thing. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And uh, you mentioned an album she did after that. Uh, I, I remember the cover. It had a it had, had a glass of water. And it looked like John Lennon's glasses. Maybe they it were was. really his glasses. Yeah, things in a glass. Yeah, and you were mentioning that album, and I take it that album obviously was recorded in the aftermath of his murder. We're not going to mention the scumbag who murdered his name, no. but you know, uh, was that album was um, what was your take on that album lyrically and musically? You know, for you, it's stunning. It's really uh, beautiful. Um, so a lot of the songs, maybe five or six of them, were written in a while ago uh, in the seventies. But it's amazing how the lyrics match up to what happened to John, and it's incredible. There's a lot of things in her life that she kind of predicted unknowingly, you know, that, mm-hmm. that came true. And uh, some of those songs are, have have words that you wouldn't believe. Um, but it's a it's a stunning album. There's no 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 screaming in in that sense on it. It's all traditionally structured songs and beautiful ballads. Um, and it's it's heart wrenching when you know what happened and you're listening to this. It's incredible. I don't I don't think it's, I've ever heard, what is that called? I never heard of it. Season of Glass. Season of Glass. Okay, I'll have to check it's it got out. a stunning cover, Wayne. I I remember it. Um, it's kind of a simple picture, but it's very powerful. There's a glass of water, and I and looks like John Lennon's bloody glasses, it but not bloody. not in a but not in a in a grotesque way. It's not, not you know they're yeah, they're placed neat. on a table and they're looking they're in front of the window that looks out onto Central Park. Yeah, and it, it's, it, where they live. and it, it really says a lot. I mean, glass, what is it? It's fragile. It could be shattered. It The glass she has, it's half empty or half full, however you look at it. It's just a very incredible statement she's making there. I mean, you can get whatever you want out of it, but she wanted to show those glasses to show what, what was done to John. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. And also her um, she, her life, she's actually maintained John Lennon's legacy. None of the releases that she's done, now there's probably too many greatest hits packages out there. I don't think, that's not Yoko's fault. Every band that's nowadays have a lot, they literally put two or three out a year, not a John Lennon, but what whoever, it's kind of ridiculous. But she's, she's actually... Um, honored his legacy she doesn't fill the market up with um with 
you know, when Jimi Hendrix died, there are a lot of releases that you damn well know if Hendrix is alive, would have never seen the light of day. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't get the impression that anything that Yoko Ono released with John Lennon's name is anything he would have been ashamed of. No. It's all very high quality. It sounds great. You know, she took very um, care with good care with everything. She's in the studio herself with the remixers. She has a certain team of people that she trusts and works with. Um, Sean, now that you know, when he became old enough, he had some input and he was in charge of the last few things on. They're incredible. They put out, you know, all the outtakes, all the demos, but everything in it, you know, really well produced, tasteful way. There was a Mind right. Games anniversary box coming out in June, uh, John's solo album, and that's going to be massive. Really? Okay. And that, that album has a lot of beautiful songs that he wrote for her, you know, even when they were separated at the time. So. Mm. Now, have you talked to her recently? Have you showed her the book or sent her the book? Or um, she has the book. Um, Sean has been very supportive. Also, he he adores it. He's like so happy because mm-hmm. it really, you know, it shows the truth and the love story of his parents and how you know she really saved him and they saved each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what about her daughter? Have you like had any contact with her? Her daughter? daughter has the book, Kyoko. Um, she's in Colorado. She's an artist now as well. She has okay. two children, Yoko's two grandchildren. So nice. yeah, they're thank God they got reunited when they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that, that was a, another terrible story, too. Because her, her her what was it? Her husband was wanted the, the daughter, right? Well, the her ex-husband, Tony <laughs> Cox, was um kind of like her promoter and partner right okay John. yeah and um he pretty much raised the child just like john was raising sean because you know yoko was an artist and she and they were very close the father and daughter but um when yoko married john they hung out together a lot pretty much at first um but he didn't want the child living with john and yoko because of their lifestyle and you know, the constantly traveling and the drugs at the time. So um, he just absconded with the child. And it turned out they were living within a religious cult for years. And they hid, they were hiding for more than one reason, more than hiding from John and Yoko. um, He did leave the cult later on and he was afraid that they would also find them. So it was a big mess. And, you know, Years later, in retrospect, they were both unaware of how much they made each other suffer. And, you know, everybody was sorry for it in the end. But it was a traumatic experience for Yoko to be. She didn't see her from when she was about six or seven years old until she was a grown woman having a first child. Wow. Okay. That's that's, that's a long time. Yeah, that's an incredible story. What's... um. Yoko and Paul McCartney seem to have a complicated relationship. What's your take on on their relationship as it's as people? Crazy. And, it's, it's and so she met Paul. She actually met Paul first, right? Um, yeah, she <laughs> she was looking for you know John Cage, the the great <laughs> avant-garde <laughs> composer. Um, she she had worked with John Cage a lot, and it was his birthday, and all these different artists were getting together. Uh, manuscripts and lyric sheets from other 
artists to put together in a book for John Cage. So somebody told Yoko, you know, go and see these Beatle guys, go see Paul McCartney, John Lennon. So she found Paul first and he said, no, I don't want, he didn't want to give anything up. And she was thinking she's going to get musical scores, like, you know, notations on paper, but they didn't, they just wrote lyrics, right? So he says, oh, go and see John Lennon. But before she could go and see John Lennon, um, she had an exhibition, her first London exhibition at Indica Gallery. It was owned by this guy, John Dunbar, who I had the pleasure of hanging out with over the summer. He's so wonderful. It was just so great to shake the hand of the guy that introduced John to Yoko. And, you know, she was setting up the exhibition for the next day. And John Dunbar brought John Lennon in. And Yoko was angry because she's like, I don't want anybody in here. I'm setting up. They said, oh, just meet this guy. He's kind of a millionaire. You know, you'd like him. And and she's like, no. So that's when they kind of connected because he saw her first art piece that he saw. It was on the ceiling, a little um, painting that had a tiny little word in the middle of it. And you had to climb up a ladder and grab a magnifying glass to see it. And he climbed <laughs> up and he saw the word and it was yes. And at the time, everybody was like cynical in the art world. He, he, he was just cynical about the whole art world. And he thought, whoa, this is really positive message. What else do you have? And she, he saw the apple on the stand and he took a bite of the apple. So she, that made her mad too. She's like, who is this guy? And then after that, they just couldn't stop thinking about each other, even though they didn't get together for another 18 months. They were both very shy and apprehensive and both married. And so that's how they met. Yeah. And then the Paul, you know, she had seen Paul first, but, you know, Paul is up and down, you know, what? Once in a while, he's like, oh, Yoko's great, you know, because they're getting along. And when they're not getting along, you know, they it's love and hate. <laughs> <laughs> what What is it with, with, with them? Like, what are they not get? What did they not get along about? It's business, you know, it's yeah, the Apple okay. business. So mm -hmm. even the best of friends, like even the Beatles themselves, you know, they, they got torn apart by this mess, by managers, yeah. by, you know, getting all of their the publishing rights to their songs weren't their own and anybody would be angry at each other with that kind of situation so mm. it's up and down with them but they're family you know they, they've got a history and she's close with all of the children paul's daughters love her and this it's all it's all fine yeah yeah, because I always remember some people always saying how how she was like with the when she was with the Beatles and how she would just you know just you know act out or whatever. But then they put out that documentary. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it was just like a get year back. ago. Get back, yes, get thank back. you. Yeah, and you see her sitting there. She's not doing anything. You know, yeah. she's just with the group and she's you know laughing and and they're just sitting there just playing music. You know. Yeah. So and it just people actually it, came up to me and said, you know, that's interesting because she was really like human in that. I'm like, right, you know, right. she is a gorilla. Like she's yeah. human. <laughs> right. Yes, well, that's what the people make her out to be. Like she's some like like the people used to call a dragon lady, you know, and that's what but, you get a, a vision in your head that she's going to be this, this woman tiny demanding thing. She's exactly. four, for, four for 10, 11 at the most. And she's so gentle and amazing. It's crazy. And just yeah. all the anonymous donations to charity the um, anonymous help she's given to people in the Beatles world to strangers to families that she's come across along the way to children 
it's just she just does it anonymously so people don't know right right yeah well wayne if you were hanging out the studio all day not saying anything you would annoy me so yeah our band would have disbanded because of you, uh, Wayne. Okay. Well, John wanted her there, and he, he was know. really, really possessive. He was taking her into the bathroom with him. I mean, it was too. Doesn't she look like she doesn't want to be there? She's reading, she's painting, she's doing her own knitting. She doesn't want to be, she's thinking about her next artwork. Right. Yeah. And then I just was hearing today too, I was listening to something and she was actually during when they were recording the white album, she was recording herself talking. Right. And, yeah. you know, she wasn't paying attention to what they were. And then you can hear in the background, they're working on the music and she's just talking louder and, you know, like who cares what they're doing? Exactly. You know? Speaking of bathrooms, uh, the band Judas Priest recorded in Ringo's old house I, where they filmed a John Lennon Imagine video. Fitness park, and yeah. they brought recording equipment there. And Rob Halford, the singer, you know, he had, I guess, the room where the, you know, with the uh, bathroom. So he calls the, uh, he calls KK Downing, the guitar player, goes, Come over here, look at this. And there were two toilet bowls, and one said John, and one said Yoko. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that that's the, uh, Judas Priest Rob Halford story about the uh, recording there. That was his highlight. <laughs> uh, Manny's a huge Alice Cooper fan. Can you do any Alice Cooper Beatles tie-ins or Yoko Ono tie-ins? Well, I love Alice, but see, I didn't mention him this time, Wayne. You didn't, uh, but there's no Yoko yeah. Ono Beatles tie-in. Well, John hung the... out with Alice a lot in the in during his lost weekend in L.A. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, they drank like fish back. Yeah, they're part of the Hollywood vampires, Wayne. That's true. Oh, yeah, that? that's true. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they would, uh, they'd get so hammered, they'd get thrown out. How bad is it when you get thrown out of the rainbow? How hammered are you or the whiskey or whatever they were that you get thrown out? You know, that's pretty bad. So, uh, in your book, is there, there's a one story that's like your, probably your favorite one that you wrote that, uh, that's in here? Is there one that's like, um, yeah, there, there are a couple. I mean, a favorite one, which is, my favorite because it's sad and heartbreaking and I had to get it out and I had to tell it um, truthfully what it's called a wind that never dies. And it's all about the death of John and how, how she handled it. And it's heartbreaking, but it really needed to be told. And in the book also, I have every, everything I say is backed up by a quote from either Yoko or John or Sean or, anybody phil specter paul mccartney you know to just round out and prove that this is the way it really happened right, and right. a lot of people don't know that paul was instrumental in getting john and yoko back together when they were separated um and there's paul talking about it and yoko talking about it and it's really a beautiful thing that he did yeah. and, you know if he hated her so much why would he do it right yeah exactly uh, a few months ago, we had on um, actually your friend, and that's why you're on here, because you mentioned uh, you saw our interview with Lori Kay, because she yeah. interviewed uh, Yoko and John right, right. before he uh, passed away. Um, I don't even know what I was getting at with that, but uh, God, I don't even know what I was getting at. I just I got sidetracked. Manny, take over. <laughs> all right all right so uh, my head, my head is gone. So Lori, Lori has a great book it's her memoir and yes. um, i have a blurb on the back cover praising her book and we're really supporting each other so hey Lori. 
Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, actually, her book uh, is uh, coming out next month. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. It hasn't been released yet. Yeah. You know. December eighth. So yeah, yeah so there are other chapters, or there's a chapter about the bed, and there's a chapter about <laughs> the the recording of "Hey Jude." There's a chapter about you know "Happy Christmas." There's or the war is over posters. The a whole chapter about her style and and why she wears the things she does. Um, um, her premonitions is the one about everything that went on that she might not have been aware that was going to happen in the future and how she really followed a lot of psychics and oracles and she was kind of obsessed with that and some of it might have helped her and some of it might not you know so right, right. so very cool yeah and you get very into detail with everything in this book so it's if you know you want to know anything about Yoko Ono it's in this book you know yeah anything and also it's just that I think everybody in the Beatles universe Mm. would appreciate it because you know the story you know the characters yeah. and if you want to know the truth you know this is it i mean and it's an incredible story yeah yeah it definitely is man you got anything else before we uh no yeah i just thought uh no i just found it um i think it's great that you wrote this book and on her because i think it's uh i think she's an overlook cultural uh figure that is mostly known for either being just john lennon's wife or john lennon's widow and for decades until recently she was kind of blamed for the beatles breaking up um uh, oh here's my question now speaking of yoko's music um i noticed during the 90s during the especially when alternative rock came into the forefront there's a reassert there was a reassessment of her as a as a musical artist. There was even a huge box set, if you remember. Yes, Ono uh, release. Ono box came yeah. out in 1992. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. What do you think led to critics and music critics? I mean, she had plenty of critics, but music critics to finally go, hey, th this is something worth listening to. This is something worth invest in your time in where for the previous decades two decades prior even she was kind of dismissed for the most part you know oh well as an artist i think a musical um, artist i mean the reason for that is i think fans were instrumental in getting Ryko disc to release that box and then once critics heard that she had <laughs> conventional songs and how wonderful they are they couldn't give it a bad review they were saying she was ahead of her time she's got some traditional stuff here this can't be overlooked that's that's the answer i guess yeah yeah i just found it amazing that it, it just and then they around. released every album by itself starting in in 1997 they, they started releasing all her solo albums Ryko, on cd so and then there yeah I, issue I, projects and of the vinyls so yeah, it just grew and grew. And our concerts yeah. sell out. I mean, you know, it's not like she's an artist. She's a musical artist and she's a an art artist. So yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Which is funny because I'm not sure if I would have agreed with that statement in my twenties, you know, but I agree so with you it. You have now. to mature and read the truth and try to, you know see it for yourself because you're just listening to negative people 
you're never going to find the truth. Yeah. Was it wasn't just that too? In my case, I can't speak for Wayne, but in my case, you know, my 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 musical vocabulary wasn't that expanded yet. You know, I I mean, I, I love my heavy metal and hard rock, but I didn't start venturing beyond that in my twenties when I started listening to jazz and and blues and you know i still love the stuff i loved growing up i didn't sell it down the river but i don't think i had a, a wide enough musical palette to really appreciate yoko ono at that time mm -hmm. well i can tell you what to listen to if you ever want to know and it's you know actually too. it's me really like a tenth of her life you know there's so mm -hmm. so much people focus on Beatles. it was 12 years with john right yeah, but yeah. of course the rest of her life she's maintaining the legacy but it, it's everything is such a blip in time with her you know because right. it, it's such a vast it's 91 gonna be in february so well well since you asked if you did did not if you were to re recommend a yoko ono album or song either or i'll let you decide what would you recommend to someone goes what is this yoko ono about you know, make, what, make what, me a playlist. <laughs> yeah. If somebody said, all right, a song or an album that that's going to convince me that Yoko Ono is the cat's meow. What would you uh, what song or album would you personally choose? I always choose the dub. Well, she has a couple of double albums, but approximately Infinite Universe, because it, it has everything as the rockers, the ballads and some really beautiful stuff. Um, there's a kind of a playlist on my blog it's called yoko's winter songs and it's songs that i play when it's snowing it's just beautiful beautiful songs so you can look at that at madelinex.com um yeah i mean it depends what you're in the mood for you want to get freaky <laughs> i'll listen to fly <laughs> if you want to get you know melancholy the season of glass or you know there's so much mm. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there. Well, very Wait. cool. What? No, Wayne, I would say you got anything that you want no, to ask. No, no, I, I'm, I think we're done. Are we done? Are you done? Yeah, so um, I guess we're just going <laughs> to... So, Madeline, where can we get the book? Yes. So you can That's, get the book. To. I guess the internationally, uh, it's best to do through Amazon because of the shipping costs. Or, yeah. uh, but you can get it through me at conceptualbooks.com which is the only place that you can get the hardcover and is an option of getting it signed by me. And I also have the t-shirts there and it's also a book baby. If anybody's on that um, book baby site, um, you can get it there, but yeah, it's on Amazon. It's everywhere. Very cool. cool. And uh, what's, and what's your blogs, uh, uh, what's your blog called please? Again, it's, it's madelinex.com. Okay, so that all right, you M -A -D -E -L -I -N -E. kept it simple. M A D E L I N E. That's how it's Madeline, MadelineX.com. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, check it out. You'll like it. I'm going to check it out. And um, thank yeah, you for the your uh, Facebook and you've got all the shows that you've been going to lately. What's the, some of the recent stuff you've been to lately? I know you just went I to am. some. <laughs> no, you. Uh, I know you just went to something recently. Um, I just saw it on your Facebook. Oh, me? Yeah, yeah, you. I went to something recently. Let's see. I reviewed uh, the Stones album. I reviewed Sly Stones book. I really don't go to a lot of shows anymore. Sparks because I do some work with them. So we went to all over 
London, all over England with them and, and LA. Um, well, I saw know. a picture of you somewhere. I don't remember. My trip to London, I have a whole blog about that. Maybe it was an older picture. Could have been. Oh no, here it was. Uh, oh yeah, it was. It, it was you reposted it. Sorry. So it was from 2017. Um, who was this? Uh, uh, Sparks. Yeah, Sparks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see Sparks a lot. I've been writing a <laughs> newsletter for 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Um. So now you got the Yoko Ono book. Is there any other anything else that you're working on? Not maybe another book or anything you have in mind? Yeah. Well, people are asking me to put the blog stories into some kind of. Oh, do you have a book? Do you have a book? And I'm like, well, I just have to figure out a way to organize it, and that could be my next thing. Oh, very cool. People very like cool. the writing because it's you know passionate. I was there. These are about things I love. It's the yeah. history. Younger people like it because they don't know. People, older people like it because they're feeling like the memory is coming back. And they always say, you know, every time I read something you write, I feel like I was there. Right. Yeah. That's comes from loving it so much. Yeah. And then well, you're, you're sharing your personal you're experience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. First concert was John and Yoko at Madison Square Garden when I was 14. Really? Well, it comes full circle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, very cool madeline again everybody please go check out this book thank you in your mind the infinite universe of yoko ono you put a lot of hard work into it and uh i, I really definitely think that everybody needs to read this uh even if you're not a fan if you you think yoko ono is a bad person read this book and it'll definitely change your mind i think anyway and uh, i know a lot of people that are watching this show need to read this book so you better go get it <laughs> <laughs> thank you appreciate that yes uh and madeline thank you very much for coming on the show and thank you for the uh, pleasure of your company and your time thank you ma'am thank yeah. you all right everybody again okay. please uh hit that subscribe button uh ratsoutreview.com and uh, if you're watching this now live i will be around 10 o'clock i will be playing uh, music at freeworld.fm so join me on there all right so until next week we will see you. Actually, no, tomorrow I have an interview at 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern. Join me. I'll be live on YouTube. All right. So uh, join me there tomorrow as well. All right. See you guys next week or tomorrow, whatever, whatever. <laughs> Goodbye. Thank you. You have a good one.